because he's worthy of praise. Let's lift his name up, church. Jesus, you're worthy. Be magnified, King Jesus, in this place. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We invite you, Lord, to come and do what you desire to do in here, Lord. God, we come to you, Lord, with open hearts, Father. We, we ask, God, that our hearts would be found as fertile soil by which the seed of your word would go forth and do its bidding, God. We thank you that you're not a God who starts something and doesn't finish it. But faithful is he who began a good work in you to complete it. And God, we thank you that you are a completer. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And so we just invite you, precious Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're already here. Cause our eyes, as Eric prayed, cause our eyes to be fixed upon that one thing right now, God. Lord God, and that is your name. Jesus, your name, your renown. Lord, that is the desire of our heart. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for the word that's going forth, Lord. We thank you that you sent your word, Lord, to heal our diseases, God, to bring about salvation on the earth so that we would be sozo in the Greek, that we would be whole and complete. Complete us, God, we pray in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus and all the church says come on out loud amen amen and amen thank you worship team Are these guys awesome did you notice that about half of our team was all teenagers this morning well they're all young I think they're all younger than me I don't know how I feel about that I'll tell you how I feel about that I like it I said I like it I like it that's good thank you guys thank you so much and good morning church Good morning to our online church family. Can we welcome them as well? We love you guys. Glad that you have joined in with us this morning. And for those of you that are our guests, I just want to welcome our guests. Can we welcome our guests one more time? Man, it's so great to have you here. And Christian Brown, I'm sorry, I'm calling you out right from the pulpit on his way back from deployment. It's good to see you, man of God. Come on, brother. Yeah, I was looking for you. I said, where's he at? Yeah, love you, buddy. I don't know how I segue back to what I was going to say, but we'll figure it out. So, um, hey, if you are just joining us, um, let me just tell you what series we've been on. We've been on a series called Storytellers. And let me just give you a little bit of maybe a quick introduction or a reminder of, of what it's about. Storytellers is kind of another way of us just telling our testimony. It's telling about the good things that God has done in our lives with the intention of telling them to others in order that we could build their faith and their hope. And I shared this with you guys a couple of weeks ago, but Revelation 19.10 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, this is one of those ones you got to stop and you can't say fast and move right along. Stop and think about that for a moment. The testimony of of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, anytime we give testimony to the things that Jesus has done in our lives, we prophetically declare to others what God is willing to do for them. And here's what I want you to take away from this series. God wants you to be a storyteller. He wants you to be a storyteller. 
He wants you to tell anyone who will listen what good things that he has done in your life. Why? Because our story, our testimony can cause people to become pregnant with possibility. You say, how's that? Because with God, all things are possible. And your story can be that spark that sets in motion the faith of another to believe God for great things. And I just want to let you know that the purpose of me sharing my story with you, of the things that God has done in my life and in my my family's life, um, is so that you would know like the like what we've walked through but also God taught me so many wonderful lessons through this and let me just start by saying that when you talk about a story a story is is just like a glimpse right like no one can share their whole story but like it's a glimpse into a person's life and um I say that because if your story isn't the story that you have wanted or that you've asked for Or perhaps your story uh, has been a series of bad things always happening in your life. Look at me. I want to say this to you. Your story is not over. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're in your 60s or your 70s. I'm telling you, your story is not over. Hey, listen, I want you to know this. If there is breath in your lungs, I promise you that your story is not over. And I hope that that encourages someone who thinks that their story or that their life is over, who thinks that maybe they could have never done the things that they had dreamed of uh, because of, let's say, maybe past mistakes, or who has believed the lie that they're not smart enough or gifted enough or or talented enough. You see, one of the works that God has has done in my life through this, this little thing that I've walked through, little thing, right? This big thing that I've walked through. That's what Paul called it, right? Those little small things, right? And it, but it is small to God, right? Isn't that interesting how our big, big, big problems are, are small to God? But one thing that I learned through this, and, and that was to have a, a better understanding and even to have a clearer picture of those that are around me. I feel like the Holy Spirit has, has really transformed my heart in such a way that I see people differently. And what I mean is this. Like when I look all around this room, I see greatness in each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. You know why I see greatness in you? Because God sees greatness in you. But watch this. Oftentimes, we're like Gideon, right? Now, for those of you who don't know Gideon was, Gideon was the greatest judge of Israel But when God first called Gideon, Gideon was fearful, he was insecure, and full of doubt. I don't guess any of you in this room can relate to that, right? (laughs) But God calls Gideon to do an unthinkable task, to take on the Midianites. Now, the Midianites, they were this nomadic, huge group of people that had been depleting Israel's resources for quite some time. And God sent an angel to Gideon, and he said that he was going to lead them to defeat this huge army. But I want you to listen to what Gideon said. Gideon says, but you got the wrong guy here, right? That's my version of it. He said, my clan is the weakest of all clans. And he said, not only that, but I'm the runt of the litter. (laughs) See, I think that there's been a Gideon 
epidemic within the church. God is calling his people to do great things, to do marvelous things, things that we never possibly could have imagined, but we've doubted the call because we've doubted ourselves. And I just want to say to someone this morning, stop doubting yourself. Stop doubting the call that he has on your life. Hey, whenever you doubt the product, you insult the manufacturer. Let me just say it this way. Insecurity is the ultimate insult to God. Now, you may say, well, I hear you, Pastor, but how do I overcome my doubt and insecurity? Well, you do it by seeing yourself the way that God sees you. You see, Here's how God saw Gideon. Gideon saw himself as the, the smallest clan and the run of the litter and this little bitty guy and he's fearful and all these things. But here's what God says to Gideon. Gideon, he says, you're a mighty man of valor. The NIV translates it and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. See, Gideon saw himself one way, but God saw him another Church, listen to me. It's time that we drop the lies that we've been holding on to that has held us back from all that God has for us. And it's time that we believe the truth about who God has called us to be. Listen, whenever God came to Gideon, he found him hiding in a hole. Just like whenever he went to Joseph, he found him in prison. Whenever he went to David, David was out back tending the sheep and was forgotten about whenever David's uh, dad brought out his brothers to the prophet Samuel. You see, where the world sees failure, God sees a future. And so the next time you feel unqualified to be used by God, remember this. God tends to recruit from the pit, not from the pedestal. Y'all catching what I'm throwing at you guys this morning? Then talk to me. Amen? Now, I want to share the third part of the things that my family walked through over the past few months. And as I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, um, it was December the 5th that Jody shared with the church all that was going on with me neurologically. And last week, I told you about my two daughters that were in a car wreck later on that night. And so now... 18 days later, on December the 23rd, Jody and I got a phone call at about 5.30 p.m. You know, whenever you get a phone call like this, you mark the exact spot, right? How many of you guys were old enough and you remember 9-11? I bet you you know exactly where you were when you found that out, right? Yeah, when you get a call or information that, that rocks you, that happens. So that evening at 5.30 p.m., um, 5.37 p.m. to be exact, <laughs> we were in the parking lot of Whole Foods. We had been shopping for groceries. We were on our way home. And just to give a little bit of uh, um, context, Jody had been dealing with this eye condition for almost six years. Now, if you've been here at Destiny for a while, you've likely noticed it being red from time to time, right? Well, this redness was also accompanied by a lot of pain. And when her eye would flare up, it would last for almost right at 14 days. And in the six years that she experienced this, we saw at least a dozen doctors. And after seeing doctor after doctor, no one could determine what it was that was causing the problem. But then finally, after switching rheumatologists, Jody had a doctor who did an entire MRI scan 
on her body. And the first scan came back and said that there was a shadow that was in her chest. And the doctor said he didn't think that it was anything serious, but he wanted to send her back to have a more in-depth scan done. So she went back for more imaging. And this time, it showed that there was definitely something there. But again, they didn't know what it was. And so they sent her back a third time for imaging, only this time it was a PET scan. How many of you know what a PET scan is, right? That's one of the ways that they use to determine whether someone has uh, cancer or not in their body. And so we were waiting for that report. And man, when you are waiting on a report like that, wow, (laughs) right? And it seemed like it took forever. I think it honestly only took maybe a a week, but it felt like a year. Uh, But that's when we got the phone call and um, had them share the information with us. The doctor actually called on 5.30, the day before Christmas Eve. And he read the radiology report to us word for word. Now, try to if you can, because this helps you to better appreciate the story. And you know what? This is a little side note here, but anytime you hear of something and, 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 and what someone else is going through, try to put yourself in their shoes if you can. I mean, it'll build compassion in you guys. If there's one thing that God has taught me, and we'll talk about this later on down the road, is that, man, God has really, really given me a greater level of compassion. So he read the radiology report to us word for word, and the report indicated that she had a mass that lit up. You know what that means? When it lit up, that meant there's a good high probability there's cancer. But then it went on even to say that it was consistent with lymphoma. Now, I don't know if you've ever received a phone call quite like that. I just got to be honest with you. I've had some, I've had some hard phone calls in my lifetime. I've had the tough. I've had the tough phone call that my mom died. I've had the tough phone call that my best friends died. You guys have had it too. I'm not the only one, but this one right here, man, this rocked me. This is, my, this is my bride. This is my wife. This is the mother of my three, my three girls. And um, when Jody got off the phone, we were just silent. I cried. She didn't. She was solid. She's always solid. But I just started crying, man. And uh, then we prayed. And then we just held each other. And then we had no idea what to do next. And because it was the day before Christmas Eve, we chose to only share this information with just a small handful of people. We didn't want to mess up everyone's Christmas. Sorry for those of you that we shared that with you. (laughs) But guys, let me just say, words can't begin to give description as to how hard Christmas was. I remember on Christmas morning, my youngest daughter, she came to me, and she didn't know what was going on, and she said, no frowning on Christmas, Daddy. That's tough. When I looked up and I saw those big hazel eyes and I saw her big, beautiful smile, watch this, her smile became my smile. And I learned something in that moment, and it's something that I I hope to share with you guys. Don't miss the beauty of what God has placed right in front of you. Now, here's what I mean. It's easy for us to get caught up in our situation. To the point that we disregard the very thing that God has sent to us to give us hope. 
And the eye-opener for me was that 11 years ago, I named that beautiful girl that was smiling at me Hope. And hope was what I needed at that moment. Church, don't ever give up hope for your situation. Don't ever give up. There is hope beyond the scope of human limitation. Are you hearing me? We serve a God of possibility because with God, all things are possible. And I'm so thankful that in that moment, I had the eyes to see what was standing right there in front of me. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You say, Pastor, that's great. I'm glad that you were able to to see what was right in front of you. but, But I have looked. And I don't see it. Well, look harder. Because I can promise you that God has given you everything that you need to walk through whatever it is that you're facing. But don't just take my word on it. Listen to what God has to say. In 2 Peter 1.3, it says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Sometimes we just have to open our eyes and be intentional about the thing that God has already given us. See, what we often do is we say, Well, God, if you would only do this for me. If you would just but give me this or but give me that, then I would have everything that I need. But you see, the Bible says right here that his divine power has given us everything that we need. And see, that word given right there, that that is a past tense word. You already have everything that you need. You just don't see it yet. This is what we've got to pray like Ephesians says, Ephesians 1.18. It says, I pray. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why? Watch this. You can underline this in your Bible. You have my permission. In order that you may know the hope. So we've got to pray that God will give us eyes to see the hope that's in front of us. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So what do we do? Whenever we need hope. Well, first of all, we pray. We ask God to give us eyes to see. We take our eyes off of our circumstance, and we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us in such a way that God's love, God's peace, and God's joy serves as an anchor in the midst of whatever it is that we're facing. You may say, but pastor, I have prayed. Great. Don't stop. Pray without ceasing. James 5, 16 says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I think I just need to remind someone this morning of how great the power of prayer is. The Bible says that it has great power. Great power. Hey, the power of prayer has closed the mouths of lions. It set anarchies at rest. It's stopped wars. It's casted out demons. It's defeated death. It's healed diseases. The power of prayer, it has saved cities from destruction. It's caused people to walk away from car wrecks that they should not have lived through. 
It saved marriages. It saved some of your marriages. It set addicts free. Hey, the, I'm going to tell you, the power of prayer is as broad as God because God is behind it. And so we pray. But then the second thing that we do is we remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. I mentioned that we would be looking at this scripture many times throughout this series, and so I'm going to bring it up here again. It's Romans 15, 4. And it says, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. See, that Bible, man, look, that's not Huckleberry Finn right there. That's the living, breathing word of God. And, man, it brings a life to your being. Oh, man, it'll lift you up. I'm telling you. It says, whatever was written in our former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance, because you are going to have need of endurance in this lifetime. My, my people that got a little snow on the roof and the chin like me, you know what I'm talking about. Young people, listen to me. You have need of endurance, I assure you. That through endurance and through the encouragement, anybody take some encouragement? I'll take encouragement all day long. Even when I'm encouraged, I'll take more of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like ice cream, right? You know, I'll take a bowl, but I'll take a second bowl, all right? Through the encouragement of the scriptures, what we might have hope. Friends, we must preload our minds and our spirits with the word of God. Look, it's his word that is our daily bread. And let me just tell you something. If you feed yourself the word of God, like that, that, that's what you need. If, and if you don't feed yourself on the word of God, you're going to feed on something. Are, are, you, are you hearing me? Hey, how many of y'all remember the old saying, you are what you eat? Well, you better believe that that is absolutely true. Now, some of you might be saying, well, pastor, but I spend time in God's word each morning. Well, praise God. That, that's awesome. But watch this. Here's what a lot of believers do. They eat a healthy breakfast, but they eat terrible during lunch and dinner. What I mean is, they read their Bible in the morning, but then they allow themselves to get caught up in conversation at work, things that they shouldn't be caught up in and involved in. Or they come home and they watch something that goes directly against what they read earlier that morning. For example, and I shared this with you guys years ago, but Jody and I don't watch scary movies like horror flicks. We, we just don't do it. You may say, why? Well, there's a lot of reasons why, but primarily because I don't want to feed fear into my life. Are you hearing me? Why would you do that? Somebody needs to hear that because there's somebody in here who you get off and you like watching horror flicks because it gets you all excited. You are feeding yourself fear, my friends, and then you wonder later on why there's fear in your life. Don't feed yourself that junk. Here you go. We don't watch shows that have sexual content in them. And look, I'm going to speak generally, because I ain't going to call anyone out from the pulpit, but I see some of the stuff that believers post, and I'm like, I'm just being honest, and I'm not being judgmental, and I'm not being religious. I'm just saying, how can, I just have to ask the question, how can they do that? Because I can't do it. Not and keep a pure mind. And blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And I want to see God in my life, so I'm going to try to keep my heart pure. I'm not going to put junk in it. And I think oftentimes the deception that we fall into, the devil will go ahead and let you have your little you know, devotion in 10 minutes in the morning. 
If he can have you the rest of the day, hello. But we don't do it. Matter of fact, you know, whenever it's a show and we don't know what it is, and all of a sudden it pops up, boom, it goes off. Why? Because if it's not something that glorifies God, then that's not something that anybody should be seeing. Ephesians 5, 8 says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Listen to that. The word in the Greek right there, it means to discern. We need to discern. We need to find out what it is that pleases the Lord. It says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is even shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But church, I need you to hear me for a moment because I got to tell you that I believe that this is where the church is. I believe, that, and when I say the church, I'm talking about us, but I'm talking about the church as a whole. That we come in and we check the box because somehow we trick ourselves into, it's a deception, it's what it is, but we trick ourselves into believing, I'm good. I went to church. I even dropped a 20 spot in the offering. <laughs> right? And then we, 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 we get up in the morning and we do our, our devotion and our, our, our prayer. You know, but after we look at Facebook and see who all liked our post from last night and check their email and everything else, and that's not first because God is all into first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all things will be added to us. And we wonder, why is not all things added to us? Because we're not seeking God first. Are you, are you hearing me, church? Because, listen, this is what's going to bring revival. I want revival so bad. I want it so bad. I can't go there on my own. I'm going to lead. I'm going to make it so uncomfortable that those of you that you're not comfortable, you'll go down the road to some church that is comfortable. Because we're going we're gonna to go after God with all of our heart, and we're not going to get caught up in the things of this world. And you know what's going to happen? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that someone's with me. Thank you. Because that's the Spirit of God's not going to move when, when we are serving both God and the world. You can't do it. I refuse to do it. I'm not going to do it. As the lead pastor, I'm not going to lead this church into that either. But I'm giving you this because this is the key to being free, church. Stay away from that junk. Listen, let me tell you something. I lived in the world. I drank. I smoked pot. I chased tail. I did all that. Is that okay to say in church? I just said it. <laughs> but hey, y'all used to do it too, so stop, all right? But let me tell you something, watch. If the world was better, I wouldn't be here right now. I would be with a terrible hangover from being at the club last night or at the bar. Friends, watch this. The world has nothing better to offer than what Jesus has to offer. Don't believe. Look, if the world was better, I would have stayed in the world when I was in the world. The world gives you stuff that it can take away. God gives you stuff that no one can take away. Try to hop on. I've said this to you before. Try to hop on your little Amazon Prime app and order you some joy, order you some peace, order you some strength for the journey. You can't get it. I don't care if they can get it to you in two hours. So quit running after the things for the world as if it's going to satisfy you. But Chris is kind of fun. Yeah, it is. You know what? And, and this is what's so dumb. 
What if I said, man, I'm going to sell you this phone? You say, yeah, man, I'll buy it. And you buy it. And then later, you get the invoice. Oh, by the way, that's going to cost you $250 million. And you're like, dude, you're crazy. But that's how it works when it comes to sin. Actually, it's worse than the 250 million. It's worse than that example because sin produces death because the wages of sin is death. And people wonder why they see their finances dying, their marriage dying, their relationship with their kids dying, their health dying. Oh, yeah, I, I, I absolutely believe that when we have bad health, that at times, not always, right, but at times it can be because of the sin that we subject ourselves to. Are, are you with me? Friends, I want to tell you something, something that I know is absolutely true. God loves you. I mean, he really, really, really loves us. And his word has instructed us as to how we're to live. And I can promise you that how you live matters to God. Jesus didn't say to the woman caught in adultery, I forgive you, go be on your way. But what did he say to her? I forgive you, now go and sin no more. And I know that I'm taking a minute to highlight this point, but look, I see so many Christians that are not free. And the reason that they're not free is because they're still holding on to the things of this world and thinking that they can also serve God and they don't get it and they're confused and they're wondering why am I not free? And that's why you are not free, friend. I say that with all the love in my heart. But here's something that's really important for you to catch because this will happen if you do this. God loves you so much that if you try to do both, if you try to be both in the world and serve him, he will send you into the refiner's fire. Actually, I think that he sends us all there at various points in our life. Um, and for those of you that are not uh, familiar with that term, I know that's a biblical term that some of you may be unaware of. But the, the term, the refiner's fire, that's when God will turn up the heat in your life in such a way that it removes impurities. And, and that can come about, by the way, in like a thousand different ways, right? But, for example, what I just went through served as a refiner's fire in my life. Now, that doesn't mean that, that God sent what happened, okay? You catching this good theology here? But he allowed it to happen in my life. Because it was something that he wanted to use to do deep down on the inside of me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm a pretty transparent person. And so for that reason, I'm going to just tell you one of the things that God did in me. I used to allow people. Oh, it feels so good to be free. Thank you, Jesus. I used to allow people to control me and manipulate me. Now, I know some of you that may be shocking because you're like, Chris, man, really? Because you seem like a pretty bold guy. Well, I am. But people that I love or people that I looked up to, I would make decisions based on the pressure that they would put on me. And it wasn't until I went through this fire that I recognized 
what was happening. By the way, these weren't bad people. And most of them probably didn't even realize that they were doing it. But God's refiner's fire did a work in me in such a way that it caused me to be resolute about the things that God has called me to do. And church, I want you to know that I came out of this refiner's fire as a much better leader. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to listen to the wisdom of others. I feel like I always got to give the counterbalance before someone just takes something away and says, bless God, I knew it. All I got to do is just do what God told me to do. I don't have to listen to anyone. No, 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 no. There's wisdom in the counsel of many. Hear me out. Of course, we're to seek out and listen to the wisdom of those around us that God has placed in our lives. And that doesn't also mean that I'm going to be right all the time because I can assure you that I'm not. And guess what? Neither are you. But it just means that when I feel God leading me to do something that falls in a line with his word. By the way, this is just a good litmus test in your life all the way around the board. Anytime someone looks at something to see if it's illegal, unethical, or immoral. If God's telling them to do it and, and it's not land, landing under one of those three categories, illegal, unethical, or immoral. Like, you, you, need, you need to step back and, and, and if God's speaking to them, let them run with that thing. I mean... There's nothing that we can focus on on those three categories, you know what I'm saying? And so I had pressure by a lot of folks, and God has built up this thing within me as a leader as to where I'm not going to allow the pressure to be applied to me again. And guys, you shouldn't allow that pressure to be put on you either. And I can tell you today that I'm, I'm free from that. I live in a place called freedom. And friends, can I tell you something? You can live there as well. Now, I'm going to segue back to my testimony uh, or my story. Um, once we uh, got past Christmas, we weren't sure as to what we were going to do next. And so that was on, I believe it was on a Thursday night. Is that right? Christmas Eve was Christmas Eve on a Friday. That's right, yeah. And so uh, we got through the weekend, and then on Monday, we woke up, and we prayed. And after we prayed, I felt like the Holy Spirit had led me to call one of my overseers, uh, Pastor Mark Harrell. Uh, Pastor Mark um, is a, a, a great voice of wisdom in my life. He's one of the overseers in the government that we have established here at Destiny Church. I have uh, overseers that um, my life is accountable to. He's one of them. Uh, I was his youth pastor for many years, uh, over 20 years ago. Man, wow, that feels weird saying that. Um, and he's led me and guided me through a lot of things. And I also felt like he was not only the right person for that reason, but his son actually had lymphoma and, um, and is alive today. As a matter of fact, he's in ministry, and I had him in my youth group. And so I reached out to Brother Mark and um, I had shared with him everything, all the details of what was going on. Uh, he was, of course, he listened. Um, it's important to listen, church. <laughs> and uh, he listened. And, um, and I, I was just saying, I, I really don't know what we're going to do next. And he says, well, do, do you have a doctor? Like, wh what's your plan? And I said, well, the only thing that even comes to my mind is I do have a good friend who's a surgeon at the Mayo Clinic. And I said, I, I thought about reaching out to him. And I'm talking about um, Dr. Matthew Thomas. 
And for those of you that don't know uh, the Thomas family, they were one of our uh, first uh, families at Destiny, and um, uh, they live a pretty good distance uh, to drive here, but they, they drove here for six years. Um, we love that family. They are near, near and dear to our heart. And so I shared this with Pastor Mark, and as soon as I said it, he said, and this is in Brother Mark's voice, he said, now, Brother Chris, you get off that phone right now, and you call him right now. And he didn't normally talk to me like that. And I said, okay. He goes, do you hear me? I said, yeah, yes, sir. I- I'm getting off the phone. So I hang up the phone. I-, I look at Jody. I said, wow. And she goes, what was that? And I said, Brother Mark said, we need to call Matthew, like, right now. And Jody says, well, then we better call him. I said, I agree. <laughs> and um, so I had Jody call him. Because uh, at this point in this time, I was having, I couldn't even hold a good conversation. And so Jody called him. He answered his phone right away. Now, you talk about a busy man. This is one of the busiest guys I know. I thought I had a busy life until I saw his life. He is a busy, busy, busy man. And he answered. And to make a long story short, um, I mean, Jody went on and shared with him what the report had said. And Matthew, after listening to the report, said that he didn't think that it was lymphoma. Now, this is where it gets really cool. Jody and I had just changed our insurance a couple of weeks ago before finding out that she had a tumor. And just so happens, our new insurance allowed us to go to the Mayo Clinic, which is where Matthew worked. Now, let me just pause here. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And let me just pause to just share with you something that that I learned here. I learned something through that switch. See, I did not hear an angelic chorus whenever I made that change. And I didn't feel this huge urge with goosebumps, right? Um, Honestly, if anything, if anything, it was just a real still, small voice. It wasn't as if I had this great insight to be able to see, oh, I see this book coming, so maybe I should go ahead. I, no, no, not at all, not at all. My point, this, watch this. God's spirit is active and moving in our lives far more than we recognize. Far more than we recognize. I'm convinced that whenever we get to heaven, we're going to see just how many times that God has come through for us, and we never even realized it. I was being led by the Holy Spirit in making that change, and I didn't even realize it. Now, I say that with an emphasis for someone who needs to hear this. Look at me. Stop worrying about missing God. Stop worrying about missing God. If you're surrendered to him, if you're pursuing him, if you're depositing God's word in your heart, if you're surrounding yourselves with other believers and you're being busy about kingdom causes, God isn't going to let you miss his purpose for your life. Why? Because God's too big to miss. And know this about God. God will arrange every experience in your life to serve his purpose. He will move the hearts of kings. He will part waters if necessary. But he will see to it that you land exactly where you need to land. That's a word for someone that you need to grab a hold of. But here's what I think, or here's where I think we often struggle. 
We want God to serve our purpose rather than us serve his. That God's ways are not our ways. And I know that oftentimes we think we know what's best for our lives. But look, church, can I just tell you, you're not smarter than God. I don't care what blueprint you think you can draw up for your life. It's not better than the blueprint that he's already written in his books. In Psalm 139, it's all been laid out. Your purpose is never greater than his purpose. Watch this. God's will doesn't have to seem perfect to me to be perfect for me. Oh, you ought to write that down. I'm going to say it louder so the folk in the back can hear it. God's will doesn't have to seem perfect to me to be perfect for me. And so when Jody called Matthew, Matthew set up a consultation with him at the Mayo And this led to him doing some tests that showed that she didn't have lymphoma, but rather had a large tumor that was wrapped up around her vagus nerve, a tumor that we found out was benign after collecting a biopsy of it. Come on, can we praise? I said said found out was benign. Yeah, you didn't get that phone call when you were at Whole Foods parking lot, did you? Yeah. Now, here's why I want to wrap up today's message. I promise you next week I'm going to conclude uh, my portion. I probably shouldn't make promises that I can't keep, right? (laughs) But I promise that I'm going to try. But I want to leave today with something that, leave you with something that I believe will bring freedom into some people's lives. For a period of time, fear had paralyzed me paralyze me and and that's what fear does it keeps you from living and if you allow it it will stop you in your tracks but here's the lesson that I want to share I was shook by something that wasn't even true Come on, how many times do we do that in our life? We give way to fear and we get all worked up over something that didn't even happen anyway And the reason that we give way to fear is because we've given up on hope, like we talked about earlier. Isn't that funny that you sing almost every song about hope today? You didn't even know that. That's beautiful. But I just want to say to you this morning, watch this. Hope is alive. Hope has a future. Hope can do what you thought could never be done. And hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And so no matter what it is that you're going through, there is hope. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Church, don't lose your hope. Guard it. Protect it. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. Church, I speak this over you in the name of Jesus. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Come on, y'all receive that word. You receive that word. Come on, stand up. Stand to your feet with me if you would. Hallelujah. I feel like today's theme is hope. 
And I just want to end by giving an opportunity to grab hold of the greatest hope that you will ever have. And that's the hope of heaven. The hope of having eternal life in Christ. I said to you that hope has a name, Jesus. And I want you to know, friends, there is no hope outside of Jesus. Like, I can promise you that if you put your hope in the things of this world, those things, they're going to rust, they're going to they're decay, they're going to disappoint, they're, they're not going to deliver, but Jesus, he is our hope, and he will never disappoint, and he will always deliver on what he promises. But we've got to put, we've got to place our hope in him. That means that we shift our hope from whatever it was that we had placed it in, and we put it completely upon him. So friends, I just want to ask, who wants to put their hope in Jesus? Because I know, as sure as I'm speaking, that there are those that are here, that you've put your hope in other things that has been above God. Friends, I'm telling you, I'm speaking it truthfully. I'm saying it as passionately as I can say it. If you will put your hope in Jesus, everything else in your life, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Look, life is hard whether you're following God or not following God. It rains on the just and the unjust. Are you hearing me? But you have this promise that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, that he will always be with you, that he will strengthen you, that he will guide you because he is the great I am. But there has to come a point, there has to come a moment where you say, I put my hope in you, Jesus. I put my faith in you, Jesus. Friends, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it one more time. There is no hope without Jesus. Jesus said it this way. He says, I am the way, the truth. There's no truth outside of Jesus. Any truth, people say, oh, you know, I speak my own truth. There's only one truth, friends. He says, I am the way. I am the truth, the truth, the only truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. If there's one thing that I've been reminded of many times in my lifetime, but when it comes right to your front door, like right there in your face, that is the finality of life. Like one out of one dies. Like every one of us. In 100 years, no one here is probably going to be here. Hopefully the Lord will return before then. But the point is this, that there will come a day that we will all breathe our last breath. And watch this. We never know when that day is going to be. I had one surgeon say that, I only had about three months to live. My neurosurgeon said that it was going to be maybe uh, a year at the most, maybe, maybe two if I was lucky. So watch this. You never know how you just feel great and everything's fine, and then life changes just like that. Now, I'm not saying that to put fear and provoke fear within you. I'm just being a realist to let you know that one day you will breathe your last breath, and when you do, you're going to stand before God. And friends, eternity is a long time. Actually, you can't even use the word time in eternity because it doesn't have time. This is time without ends. Are you with me? And there's one or two places that you and I are going to go. Now listen to me, because I, for sure, I, there's some people out here that says, Pastor, I don't even know that I believe that. You know what? You could believe the grass is purple if you want. It's green. Like, your belief has no bearing on reality. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And you're going one or the other. And the only way you're going to heaven is when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. 
here's the good news. Because the gospel is called the good news, the good news is you don't have to do anything to earn it. Jesus did it all by offering his life as a sacrifice on the cross and his spilled blood served as what we call an atonement. In other words, a covering for our sin. So that means that though our sins be as scarlet, they get washed white as snow when we put our faith in what Jesus has done, the finished work of the cross. So watch this. I hear people say, I'm a good person. And I'm like, man, that, that would wear me out, <laughs> you know, because I'm not that good. And in case you think, well, I am good, Chris. Well, Jesus said that none is good. No, not one. He said none is good but, but God alone. He said that your righteousness, that means your, your very best efforts. Somebody needs to hear this. I'm saying it right now. I sense it. Your very best efforts, they're like filthy rags before God. So don't think that you being a good person is going to get you into heaven because it won't. Did you hear that? The only way you're going to go to heaven is faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. So I just want to ask, who wants to put their hope in Jesus? Who wants to put their faith in Jesus? Or you can just continue putting your hope in the things of the world that's going to discourage you, that's going to uh, rust, that's going to pass away, that's not going to deliver. But you're foolish if you do that. So I want to ask, and I want to ask it with everyone. I'm not doing the head bow, eyes closed thing. Some preachers do that. I don't like that. You won't pray a prayer in front of other saints of God because I'm going to venture to say 90, 95% of the people in this room have already prayed this prayer and they're believers and they're followers of Jesus and they're going to celebrate with you. They're going to be like, oh, what's that dude doing? But you say, man, I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you, right now the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart. With everyone looking, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to count to three and at that moment, make the jump, folks. What are you waiting on? What do you think that's better out there? You know what? I knew I had that word, and I didn't know when to deliver it. In worship, in worship, I heard the Lord say this. There's some out there that's saying, well, I'm not ready yet. Matter of fact, it's someone in this room. Well, I'm not, I'm not so sure about this thing yet. I'm still, I'm still, figure, still trying to figure it out. And friend, the devil will see to it that you've been figuring it out to the day you die until you go with him and his fallen angels. Today, I hear the Lord say, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you will call upon his name, he will save you, friend. You may not have tomorrow to call out to him. So if that's you and you say, I want my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to be a Christian. I want my sins forgiven. I want the hope of heaven. I'm going to ask you right now, raise your hand. One, two, three. Put it up if that's you. Put it up high. 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 Yep, yep. Who else? Put it up. Come on. I know there's more than one or two people. I know there's more in here that God's dealing with. Your heart. I know it by the Spirit. Don't wait. Don't wait. Those of you that are watching online, I'm talking to you too. You can pray right there in your bedroom, in your, in your kitchen, in your living room, and Jesus will meet you right there in your couch. Come on, who else is going to pray? And I'm going to lead us in prayer. We're going to pray together, and we're going to pray, confess Jesus as Lord. Is there anyone else that wants to join? Okay, for those of you that have your hand raised up, we're going to pray. Now, for those of you that are already believers, which is a large percentage, bring those here that don't know Jesus. I promise you they will have the same opportunity every single week. Amen? For those of you that raised your hand and those of you online, 
pray this prayer out loud with me. Saints of God, you can join in with me, and we're going to just confess this. Let these words become your words, and we're just going to confess Jesus as Lord. That means him number one over our life. Pray this prayer out loud. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to turn from them and make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. Now I want to know you and make you known in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Come on, can we thank God, someone? Listen, here's what we're going to do. I've asked my prayer team to come on down. We'll have some people right up over here. We'll also have some people up here as well. Um, listen, if you're facing something difficult, you know, I have grown to learn that everybody I know is either going through something, coming out of something, or about to go into something. And so, if you see something that, that's kind of right on the horizon that you're about to come to or that you're going through or even that you came out of and you're recovering, if you need prayer, don't leave this place without letting someone agree with you. We got some great trained prayer warriors down here who would absolutely love. Look, we consider it the greatest honor that we could possibly have outside of teaching and preaching the word, but to be able to pray with you. And so uh, here in a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to dismiss us, but I'm going to kind of allow the atmosphere of worship to continue. So the rest of you, you can be dismissed for time's sake. Um, but as we worship and as I dismiss, uh, for those of you that uh, want ministry, that want prayer, please come down. People are here ready uh, to welcome you. Amen. So uh, let me just uh, pray over you, bless you, uh, dismiss you, but we're going to continue to leave a time of ministry up front. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. God, may we not be quick to leave this place and forget about it, but God, may we go. May we talk about it with our, our, our family, Lord. May we talk about the hope that we have in Jesus. May we take our eyes. I think that's the theme right there. Eric said it earlier, may we take our eyes off the things of this world. Fix them on you, Lord God. May we take a spiritual audit, God. Lord, because we want revival in this house. We want revival, Lord. I want to see my city. Lord, come to know you, God. May this city be a city that's known for the presence of God. And Lord, let it start. Lord, not only here in this church, but Lord, let it start here in us, in me, individually. Start a fire in us, oh Lord. Lord, one that cannot be snuffed out by anything of this world. Lord, let us go forth this week, God. Lord, being a light. Lord, a city set on a hill, Lord God. So that others, Lord God, would, would see our, our, our good deeds, Lord God, and that it would bring glory to your name. We love you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Now I pray the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and may he give you peace in Jesus' name. Church, I love you and God loves you.
Look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Have a wonderful week in Jesus' name.